<laughs> Let's go! Buenos dias! It's another Tyreek Talk Tuesday. Thank you for joining this morning. As always, don't forget to share and let folks know that we are going live here at Premier Barber Institute. Buenos dias. Ricky Racone, Fire uh, Solomon, Dr. Faden Scott, uh, Adrian as the state's finest. Assalamualaikum, Habibi. Miahuya, what's happening? What's going on? John the Clipper, David Giron Flux, King Rez the Barber. Miahuya, what's happening? Uh, David, like, uh, Diamond Life Barbers, Mario Johnson. I've been hit that. Howdy! Illusion, good to have you on this morning. Concise the Barber, Connecticut Cut, the Barber Lounge, Chris, and a few other people. So we got some more people joining. Louis G, the Barber, what's happening? Thank you. Uh, signature Cuts, we got Cleveland in here. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining. Definitely appreciate that. It's another Tyreek Talk Tuesday. Uh, brief announcements before I get into my live. I will be in Greenville, North Carolina as a keynote speaker for the OGBC, the OG Barber Conference there to be a two-day uh, symposium with education and awards, just honoring people in our industry. I'm excited about that. That will be in uh, Greenville, South Carolina on March the 12th through the 13th for the OG Barber Conference. Also, coming up on March the 19th, 2023 is the Cleveland Barber and Beauty Expo. Uh, definitely an event that you want to go to. Uh, I like the smaller, more intimate events. And if you're considering, hey, which event should I go to? Um, the big events are great. When there's big, big events, you have a lot more. You have a lot more people. You have a lot more going on. But you can kind of get lost in everything that's happening. If you haven't ever gone to a show, I don't recommend going to the big shows right off the bat. I recommend going to the smaller shows, get acclimated with how shows are done, find out what is important at these shows. And once you go to these shows, you begin to see what's important and what's not important because you can get kind of lost in the current of the flow of traffic. You can get lost by the influencer. You can get lost by, you know, the pop, the pomp and the dance and all the glitz and the glamour and the lights and, you know, flashing lights, all that stuff. Uh, when you have to identify what it is you're going for. So I really like small intimate shows because it's an intimate setting. You have a smaller event. You do have the entertainment side of it, but most of it is focused on education to elevate you in your career, or whatever it is that you're doing. So always important to take the educational classes. The competitions are great. It's nice to watch. That's entertainment. Uh, more importantly, if you're if you're trying to compete, you know, it's a way to make some money, just kind of Help to build your reputation and status if that if that works where you are. But I will tell you that going to the educational classes for me has always been the most important thing. It's where you get the information that's going to help elevate you. So don't forget uh, Cleveland Barber and Beauty Expo March 19th this year. Uh, it is going down in Cleveland. So you, you may want to go and do that. Yesterday I received a gift and it was... Just an honor to receive that this painting was done by YIT Art Life Ideas, uh, James Wyatt. It was given to me by Sean Anthony. Uh, you know him probably uh, by Mr. Live Freakishly Awesome. So uh, just amazing, amazing art. Go check out his page. It's at YIT Art Life Ideas, James Wyatt. Amazing, amazing work. So here it is. This was a birthday gift given to me by Sean Anthony. Just amazing, amazing work. Uh, 
Yes. So I got a few things I want to share today. Um, last week we talked about, do you really care? Do you actually care? Does it even matter? Right. And we kind of talked about some of the things uh, about what matters or what doesn't matter. And I really want to, to highlight some of that real quick. And then I want to move on to today's topic. So one of the biggest concerns that I have, especially with, with students who are graduating from a program like ours, thank you for your badges, I appreciate that. Uh, for for program like ours, when people graduate is job placement. Job placement is important for a program like ours because people come here, they, they sacrifice their jobs and their family time to then put themselves in a position to learn some new things so they can elevate financially, so they can become self-sufficient, to become entrepreneurs, or to work in a business that they actually love and are very passionate about. So job placement is extremely important. And what we try to emphasize is the shop you choose is going to be extremely important for your growth. The school, the education that you choose is extremely important for your growth and development. The relationship you get in is extremely important for your growth and development because these are the people that you're going to spend the most time with. You're going to be listening to them. They're going to be encouraging you and sometimes even motivating you um, to do things. A lot of times you'll be posting your content and you'll have the naysayers making comments about your post that you're putting up. And all you're trying to do is showcase what it is that you're doing. Don't be discouraged by the naysayers. You're going to have people saying things either about your work or who you're cutting or the things that you're doing. And it really doesn't affect you. They're not affecting you. So I wouldn't even allow those distractions to disrupt what it is that you're doing. So it's important who you're listening to, who you're around and what attention you're giving to those people that are around you. It's important that you choose a shop. We, we talked a little bit about and I'm going to highlight it real quick and then I'm going to move on. In most cases, you have eight hours a day to service here. And I'm talking about barbers in general and the beauty profession and makeup, totally different. However, simple numbers, you guys can use the same uh, math concepts that I'm going to give right now to just kind of um, figure out what direction it will work for you. But for the most part, most of the guys that come out of our programs, they're cutting hair. They want to cut hair. There are many other things you can do in this profession, but for the most part, the high majority of people that come to our program, they want to cut hair, they want to land themselves in a barbershop where they're making money. And the discouragement could be, it's not a busy shop. Or the discouragement could be, well, I'm giving up too much percentage to the owner. There's discouragement could be, well, I'm not making enough money for booth rent. And you just have to be a little bit patient. If you can only do four people per day, that doesn't mean you'll get them all at one time. Four people per day at a, I think we said it was a $40 price point for six days a week. That's $960 a week. If you're splitting that 50-50, it's $480. If you're splitting that 70-30, it's $672 for you. $288 goes to the shop. If chair rent is $200, even your percentage, you're, you still might be making more money if you're in a shop that's very, very busy. If, if, if none of those things work for you, you can go and get a suite. I will tell you, if you get your own suite and you get your own space, that rent will be anywhere from $300 and upwards per week. It's the way the suites are set up. So you can decide which direction you want to go. And if you're at a good suite, it has all the amenities. It has security. It has 
people uh, alarm where people can come in and come out. There's some promotion that they do on their imagery when you walk in if someone's looking for a new person. So suites are good. They have their pros and their cons. But I got a student who was in here who has his own suite and he was mentioning to me that, man, I miss the camaraderie of the shop. I miss talking to people and cutting next to people. You will give up something if you're in a suite experience. So a lot of times we're too busy trying to count our money. And all you need is four people at a minimum per day to start off your journey as a practitioner. So if you're in a barbershop that you can service four people per day, that would help to encourage you. But there may be a day where you may only cut one person that day. Don't be discouraged. Don't let that affect you. Don't allow that one day to be the distraction or the thing that stops you from pursuing your dream. Don't do that. Because two days later, you may have six, seven people, which would offset the day that it was a little bit slower. The following day, six, seven people, and it offsets. So if it can average out to about four people per day, you're in a really good position to be successful. At a $40 price point, regardless if you're giving up a 70-30 split, regardless if you're doing a 50-50 split, you have to determine if where you're working, if the amount of money you can make, you can survive with your economy. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Stop trying to be like the person who's next to you, who's booked all the time, and you get discouraged because they're booked. They've had a longer journey. They had a different journey than you. Everybody's journey is going to be different. You can't measure your journey with somebody else's journey. And the other biggest thing I was talking about is stop counting the owner's money. Many guys get into a situation where they start to count. I'm paying rent, he paying rent, he paying rent, she paying rent, he paying rent, she paying rent, she paying rent. That he's balling. And you get into this place of entitlement and you feel like you deserve more. Because you're counting what the owner is making, forgetting that they've put the whole entire establishment together. They've created the reputation for that business. They've invested the money for the chair that you're working in. Oh, my chair rent pays for all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't pay for any of it. That stuff was already there before you arrived. So you can't say, oh, my chair rent pays for this. No, it does not. It doesn't pay for that. We talked about the rule of thumb being 10 haircuts go to the house. So depending on the price point for the haircut, 10, 10 of those haircuts should go to the house. Most barbershops that do a booth rent aren't using the 10 haircuts go to the house rule because they know it's a deterrent and some people won't want to work at that shop if they feel that they got to spend that much money um, back to the barbershop. But I digress because what I want to do is I want to move forward. In a situation where you may be cutting one person that day or you may be cutting two people and you may feel discouraged or you're not even cutting the type of client that you want to cut. You're getting the little snotty nosed kid that nobody wants to cut. I would say this to you. If you're not cutting the type of people that you want to cut, it's because you're not telling the people you want to cut that you want to cut them. You have to go out and let people know I want to cut your hair. You have the type of hair that I want to cut. I would love to cut your hair. Man, you have amazing hair. If you're not cutting the people that you want to cut, you have to go out and tell the people you want to cut that you want to cut them. That's your job. You have to market yourself. You got to get people to believe in what it is that you do.
And if they go on your page and they see some of your work, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I might give you a shot. You have to go out and encourage people to sit in your chair to come see you. And if you're doing little things in the shop, especially as a new barber, a new practitioner, I tell the students all the time, if you don't have somebody else waiting for you, do something a little bit extra on that client. Give them the hot neck shave. Give them a facial. Uh, uh, not, not a full 40-minute facial. Give them the 10-minute uh, enticing facial. Well, this was, this, this was for free. But if you would like a better facial or a much longer facial, I do them for about 40 minutes. If they're experiencing, yesterday we had a demonstration on the stage. Somebody get a shave and they got a facial. What did the guy do right after he got his facial done? Can anybody tell me? He, he could not stop what? Touching his face. He continued while he was talking to us. He just kept touching his face. And what did he say after that? It was the best shave I ever got. And he said, it was the smoothest my face has fit. I promise you, my face feels smooth. He kept saying that. More importantly, if the customer said, what do you think is going to happen? He's going to want to come back. for, And, and that was a quick, what, five, ten minute uh, facial? It wasn't a 40 minute. There was not a whole lot of extensive massage going on. Just treating the face after the shave. The other thing that's important is while you're doing that additional service, someone sitting there waiting they might be waiting for somebody else or they're sitting in somebody else's chair. They're looking at you and saying, man, I never got one of those. Man, that, that looked good. I might want one of those. And they become encouraged to come sit in your chair when their barber is not available or whenever they feel like they want that service. Because here's what happens. They'll tell the barber in the chair like, yo, what's she doing over there? Man, she'd be extra. She'd just be doing all kinds of stuff. That's fine. That client is asking for a reason. They also know that when the barber is saying, man, she extra, she just be. They know you hating. They know that. You're telling on yourself. But you should be doing these little extra services because it attracts attention to your chair. And people may want to sit in your chair. I use this example. I'm going to say it again. I've said it plenty of times. When I was at American Beauty Academy in Wilmington, Delaware, one of the students was laying his client back on his head while he was shaving, shaving them and shaping up the hairline. And I asked him, I said, why are you laying the person back on your head? He said, because everybody's doing it. Because his instructor was showing him that. I had to talk to the instructor first off. But the next thing I did was I talked to the barber. I said, here's what I need you to do. That lever on the side of the chair, it lays the chair back. Lay the client back, wrap the headrest, and lay him back on the headrest. And he was like, you serious? I said, absolutely. I'm 100% serious. What began to happen is he began to influence the rest of the classroom. Because not only was he laying clients back, clients were like, well, I want to get laid back. And barbers were like, why are you doing it? He goes, I'm laying it back. It's more comfortable for me ergonomically. The benefits of doing that for the barber was great, but the benefits and the experience for the customer was even greater. When that translated into the barbershop, when he was the only barber who was laying people back, clients were looking across the room and then questioning their barber, why you don't lay me back? My man lay everybody back. Every time he cuts somebody, he lay everybody back. And what happened? The client started asking, and whenever that barber wasn't available, they were getting in his chair simply for laying the customer back. Nothing more, just laying them back. Those little things will make a huge, huge difference in what that experience is. So uh, 
James, I, I just talked about the photo, man. You, you missed it. It's in the beginning of the last. You can go back and record it, but thank you so much. I appreciate your, 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 your work for that. But those little nuances, those little things that you do will change the dynamic of the experience for the customer or the guest. It will also help you ergonomically so that that way you can create a more proficient and a pleasurable experience. When you're doing those little things, it will set you up. And now you don't have an extensive clientele. The more people see the extra stuff you do, they may want to sit in your chair and it can help to grow your clientele. But you have to let them know, I'm doing this one right now pro bono. I don't have nobody next. Let me, I'm going to take care of you. This is generally a $30 service, but I'm going to give this to you for free today. If it's pleasurable and they like it, they won't question the $30 service the next time. I want the thing you did last time. Can you do that? Absolutely. You already told them the price. Now you're telling them the price because they're requesting it. So it's always important to make sure that you share that with them because you, do you have a little bit of time? Absolutely. Well, let me, let me just lay you back real quick. This is a $30 service that I provide. This is only the 10 minute one, but I, for, for the $30 service, it's, it's, it's about 25, 30 minutes. And uh, it's a little more extensive, a little bit more massage, but hopefully tell me how this feels. I hope you enjoy this. And you're just talking to them, letting them relax. You got the ambiances right. Once you're done and you remove all that and you sit them up and they're like, man, and they're over there touching their face for the next 25 minutes. You've created something that's memorable and experienced. And now you're building a clientele base. So don't just focus on a haircut. You're learning so many things in school. There's a lot of things that you could be doing. So one of the other things that I talked about last week is motivation. And I was talking with Eric and I love the way he encourages me to dig deep. You know, he, he agitates spaces and he allows me to just let this thing come out and an experience come and thought process come and just all these different things come together. But it was about motivation and the conversation we were having, how motivation speaks to your motives. I can't give you motivation. Motivation has to come from you. Motivation speaks to your motives. Motives speak to your intent. Not my intent, but yours. Motives speak to your intent. Intent comes from within. It's something that comes from within you. Intent is very, very important. And when, you, when you're dealing with somebody who's very intentional with what it is that you do, you can feel it in everything that they do. There's always intent behind something that they're doing. They're just not doing something. There's an intent behind it. And if you understand what that is, you can learn from it. I'll give you an example of what happens for me a lot of times when someone comes to the program and I ask them, why do you want to be here? I want to know what their intent is. It's important. When I ask them why you want to be in this program and what completing this program will do for you, they're going to tell me, why is that important for someone like me? Because I want to understand what your motive, and I want to speak to your motive. When you don't feel like it that day, when you're having a rough day and you feel discouraged, my job is to encourage, not motivate you, but encourage you because the motivation comes from within. It comes from you. Your motives come from you. Motivation comes from your motives. Motives come from your intent. Your intent comes from within. So I only want to encourage what it is you told me you wanted to get out of this program. 
So if I know what those motives are, then I can continue to encourage those motives. I can continue to encourage your intent. I can continue to help and guide and make sure that I'm putting you in a position to do what it is that you said you wanted to do. Some people want to cut hair and they want to work in a shop. Some people want to be sharp. Some people want to have a, mo- a, a mobile barbershop. Some people want to have a suite. Listen, for a long time, there was another student who sent something to me. For a long time, I was cutting hair in funeral homes. I had a mobile barbershop. I tried so many different things. My passion was to open up a school. That was my main focus. When I was 18, I said that was what I wanted to do. I intended on doing it because it was something that was within me. I knew I wanted to do and I achieved that. But along the way, I tried so many things. I was, I had a mobile barbershop. I marketed it. I put signs on it. I had it parked out front of Home Depot for two, three days. I had it parked at the Wendy's. I've had it parked at many uh, main intersections. It was a huge driving billboard. I had one of the barbers on a slow day driving around the town because I was marketing the mobile business. I had one. I know the rules around mobile barbershops. I know the rules around kiosks, especially in Pennsylvania, the size of a small kiosk in a mall. I'm familiar because I've tried to do all these other things, but I also worked in funeral homes. Now, when you're working in a funeral home, you can charge the funeral home. The funeral home charges the family. So you create a contract with the funeral home. The one thing about a person who's laying on a slab, I hate to say it that way, but they don't complain. You're not even doing a full haircut. You're only doing part of what's visible. And and the gratification at the end is the family is excited that their dad, their uncle, their brother looks good. And you made them look good. You didn't charge them. You charged the funeral home. The funeral funeral home charged them. You can create a contract. Now, if if you're not comfortable working in a funeral home, I get it. It's not for everybody. That doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. I cut my real father when he died. I cut my uncle when he died. I cut a friend that I went to high school that got shot in the head. I cut him when he died. After seeing those three things, it doesn't really bother me too much. I cut a friend who died of cancer. That one hurt really, really hard. But there's a lot of people that I've serviced in funeral homes, families that I've serviced. And sometimes your clients will let you know, hey, something happens to me, I want you to take care of me. And guess what? His wife, his cousin, his mom, somebody's going to contact you and say, yo, you got to cut my brother, bro. He ain't had a haircut in two weeks, man. He been gunned down, blah, blah, blah. And they want you to cut him. You got the emotional thing like, ah. But you can go in a funeral home and service people and charge upward to 250 easily. And you're only doing this much. There's a few rules. Don't put a razor on them. Don't do that. Make sure you got some hairspray to hold everything in place. I also would encourage you, if you're thinking about this, I'm just giving you a little bit of game. Make sure that the person's already clothed before you service them because you don't want the funeral director to or the mortician to go ahead and then after he's done doing the stuff and you cut him, then put the clothes on him and move the hair around. You want everything to be in place. Make sure you got a lint roller, a small little vacuum, get any hair off of them. But you want hairspray to hold things in place. If you're using any enhancement, no razor. No razor. If you cut somebody's skin, you will damage their skin and their their skin doesn't have the ability to heal because there's no blood circulation. So you definitely don't want to do that. But that's a whole other avenue to make money. If you have relationship with funeral homes, you can make money. You can do whatever you want to do. 
get get paid, get a check from the company, or work for the funeral home. There's a lot of things you could do. You don't just have to stand behind a chair. So the key is, is to understand what your intent is. What is it? Why am I doing what it is that I'm doing? When people identify my encouragement to them as motivation, that could be very problematic. Tyreek, you motivate me. And I listen, I think I understand what you're saying, but when, when people come to me and say, you motivate me, motivation is very temporal. Because today I don't feel like working out. I'm not motivated to get up. I just want to sleep in. Today I'm not, mo- motivation, you need more discipline than actually motivation. You need discipline and you need consistency, you need dedication more than you need motivation because sometimes you're not motivated. You're working a job, you're coming to school, you're trying to cut people on the side to just build. Sometimes you're not motivated. You get frustrated. You either hate the job or you start questioning your career choice. So you may not feel motivated. You have to be determined to finish. You have to be determined to focus on what's important and why it is that you're doing what you set out to do. I don't really like when people identify my encouragement as motivation because I understand that it could be problematic. If I motivate you, then I can manipulate you. I don't want to manipulate anybody. I want to encourage you because I'll be the first one to tell you. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. I've, I've had that conversation plenty of times. If, you, if this is not for you, then we've got some withdrawal paperwork. I don't need your money. I want people who are committed to be here. Because it it helps the culture and the environment that we have. And I can help encourage what it is that you want. Are there going to be rough days? Absolutely. There are going to be rough days in the shop. Walk around the mall. Some stores are very, very slow. You remember going to the mall and walking into the Apple store? Even if you didn't have an Apple phone, right? But you walk past it, store always packed. Walk by the Apple store right now. It ain't that packed. There will be slow days. You have to be willing to endure the slow times. You got to have stick-to-itiveness. Stick-to-itiveness is a real word. Look it up if you don't believe me. I can't motivate you. I'm only here to encourage what it is that you want to do, give you perspective and try to help you to understand what it is that you're trying to get. I don't have, listen, I'm not always right but I'm always real. And I try my best to make sure that the information I'm giving you is beneficial to you. It's not just okay to start the conversation. A lot of people just start the conversation. Oh, I throw that out there to start controversy. I start the conversation and the controversy happens in the comments. You see some of the influencers, they'll post certain things or they'll say certain things and then they don't have a position. They're not either on this side or that side. They just say it. Barber school suck. And then what happens? Everybody's in the comments. Yeah, I hate school. School suck. The people are just leaning towards that one side. Well, I just started the conversation. It's not good enough just to start. Have a position. Because what happens is if you just start in a conversation, then you're, you're helping to perpetuate misinformation. And when you're doing that, you're manipulating the culture and we don't elevate as a culture. 
We don't elevate it as a profession because then you create division, you create controversy, and most of you are just doing it for likes and comments. You're only doing it because you want to create the conversation so it creates a thread on your page and you're getting interaction and you're getting the likes and you're getting the comments and it affects the algorithm and your page is popping because that's your intent. That's the focus. You're not really there to motivate. You're not really there to encourage. You're there because you have an ulterior motive. My motive is to create the conversation. If I create the conversation, oh, this one's going to hit them. You see some of the pages, oh, name your top five favorite barbers and why. And then it goes in the comments. I'm just trying to affect the algorithm, trying to get people going. What did, what did Kanye say on that song? It's provocative. It gets the people going. It's exactly what happens. People get into it, then they get it, then they're, then they're having wars in the comments. And all you doing while you're having an unnecessary conversation, that person's living their best life over here, doing their own thing, and you're in the comments fighting somebody. Twitter fingers. Digital thugs. Mad at each other. It's okay to start the conversation, but it's not okay to continue to allow misinformation to get out. And when I talked a little bit about if I'm the reason for your motivation, then you put me in a position to manipulate you. I don't want to manipulate you. I only want to motivate you. So I'm going to play this video real quick, and it's on manipulation. And I'm going to share a little bit about this once the video is done, but I want you to watch this real quick. Despite what you might be thinking, these two circles are not equal. I repeat, these two circles are not equal. One is, in fact, larger than the other. What I need you to do is determine which one that is. So, please raise your hand if you believe the blue circle is larger than the red. All right. Please raise your hand if you believe the red circle is larger than the blue. All right, very good. Now, before I said anything about these two circles, what was your first instinct? Equal, right? Because they look equal. And the reason why they look equal is because, in fact, they are equal. These two circles are identical. Yet I got just about every one of you to raise your hand and say that they're not. So what did we learn? That you can be manipulated like that to believe in something that goes against your natural instincts. Just, just imagine, just imagine as a child you're taught that the blue circle is larger than the red. If you say it enough times, you convince yourself that's the truth. If you're told the lie enough times, it becomes part of your reality. And if enough people are taught that lie, that the blue circle is larger than the red, well now it becomes part of the culture. And if that culture then passes that misinformation along to the next generation, well now it becomes tradition. Despite what you might... If the misinformation gets passed on to the next generation, then it becomes tradition. This is why the problem with apprenticeship is a problem. Because you're going to a barbershop. I had a guy come to the school yesterday and he said, hey, do you guys have theory tests? I said, we absolutely have theory tests. He says, can you print some for me? I was like, no. He says, I need a few tests because I'm getting ready to take an exam. Can I buy them off you? And I said, no. He says, so you don't have tests? No, we have tests. I don't have them for the general public. Because you went the apprenticeship route and nobody taught you the information that you need. And here's generally what happens in apprenticeship program. I know because I also did an apprenticeship. It's the reason why I own a school. This is what happens. You go to a barber who says that they will apprentice you. 
They say, I'm going to teach you all. I'm going to give you my special sauce. I'm going to do all that. So you learn how to cut a little bit of hair, but you have no idea what you're doing. You have you don't know angles. You don't know over direction. You don't know how to manipulate the hair so you can actually style it. You have no understanding of what it is you, but you might be able to cut some hair. And when you're asking certain questions, they're giving you information. You got to remember that that shop owner probably went to school 20, 30 years ago. So the information is watered down and is passed on to you. You get through, you're struggling, you might have failed your exam, your theory exam once or twice. You went to the state board exam, probably got through just a little bit, right? But now you're a shop owner and you apprentice the next person. That information that you're passing on, misinformation or lack, of, lack thereof, you're passing on to the next person that you're apprenticing. And then they're struggling. Then they come to me and say, hey, can you help me pass my exam? You want to enroll? No, no, no. I did. I got my hours from the shop. The barber wasn't legit. I got screenshot after screenshot after screenshot after screenshot of barbers who are asking me to help them because they went to a barber shop. And here's what they tell me. The shop wasn't legit or the guy, he wasn't legit or we didn't click and I just really didn't like or, or he was he was foul. He didn't give me my hours. He didn't submit them to the state. And I hear it all the time. It's nonstop on the school's DMs on my DMs. Tyreek, can you help me? I don't care how you feel. Your feelings are real. They're just not reliable. You mad at me because I won't print out an exam to give to you. But you th th these exams are for our students. They're not for you. You know, hundred dollars don't help nothing over here. I'm not going to give you no print out of an exam. Come and get some training or go back to the person you got your training from and tell them, hey, I paid you X amount of dollars to train me. Can you give me some exams? Guaranteed you won't get them. That's what happens in that video I just showed you. If the information, the misinformation is passed on to the next generation, it becomes problematic and you have these watered down professionals because they're not getting properly educated. Even school at the worst program, you're gonna get more information on what it is that you need than just going to an apprenticeship. Here's the other experience. The person who's apprenticing you is busy cutting hair and running their business. They don't have the time to stop and help you every time you need help. They don't have the ability to do that. There's only one of them. And like, yo, can you help them real quick? The other person who probably doesn't have a license is working in a shower. You want me to help? With the fade? Yeah, I got you. They mad. And this is what's happening. It just gets watered down over and over and over and over again. And then you go on social media and you hear these professionals trying to give you professional advice because this is what because they, they can turn on the camera and they can talk about what it is that they do. And they're misleading people with misinformation. I've heard people say, man, I wish that I would have focused more in school when I was there because I'm teaching now and I want to be a better teacher. Because I'm teaching now or because I have a desire to teach. Man, I wish I would have paid attention in school. I wish I would have dug a little bit deeper. I wish I would have focused just a little bit more. And in the beginning, it don't matter. I just want to cut hair, get my license and head out the door. But then three, four, five, six months down the road, a year down the road, you're like, man, you know what? Man, what was that thing? We had an experience the other day in, in here. I did a demonstration on stage. Awesome, awesome class. Guy cut all his hair off. He was a level 3-4, went from a 3-4 to a 12. We went platinum in one sitting. It was amazing, right? 
new technology. The problem was we at the end of the service, his hair was platinum white. At the end of the service, we used old theory with new technology. And what happened was when we went to shampoo the hair out with a violet shampoo, it had pigmented shampoo. And what happened was the hair turned purple. It was Laker purple. Because the person I had asked to do it didn't read. It was just old theory. Like I know, use this type of shampoo to rinse out the color. That's what you would normally do. Because it was old theories. What we understood as professionals is what we do. This new technology had a different way of doing it. And guess what? Because I'm experienced and because I have the knowledge, I was able to remain calm. And there was about 10 students. I'm going to tell you what really happened. Those 10 students were like, let me see how this is going to work out. Let me see what's going to happen here. But if they was patient enough and they stood around and watched, we got it completely out and I was able to go platinum. Because I have the understanding, I know the rules of color because I got the information while I was in school. And while I was in school, I practiced it. That's how I was able to remain calm and execute the service. I get phone calls from people who don't know because they don't have the information. They're like, yo, Tyreek, bro, can you, uh, man, I was trying to color my girl's hair the other night, man. And because you wasn't paying attention, you wasn't getting the information that, that apprenticeship program didn't help you. It happens all the time. I understand what I was doing because in 2007, I was awarded colorist of the year. Now we so far removed from 2007, but there was something I knew when I was the colorist of the year that I was able to go to in the meantime and get the job done and not be affected by the hair being Laker purple. We wanted to be platinum white. You put purple on white, you're getting purple. And that's what happened. But my experience helped me to get through that process. That's because I have the right information because I got great education. And for the students who sat there, they got wowed. Wow, you cut it all the way down. You made his hair platinum white. That looked amazing. Oh, it's purple. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Man, he probably going to mess his hair up. I can't wait to see. And guess what happened at the end? Wow, he got it out. Because I had the right information. So people can manipulate you to think of whatever it is they want. They can give you their agendas, especially if you're misinformed and you don't have the right information. You don't know who that influencer or who that shop owner or who that person is trying to teach you how to be a licensed barber can help you because they don't have all the information. And you're sitting there because you with your nose wide open, excited about everything coming your way. So whatever they tell you, you just believe it. Because you're not going to read, you're not getting information, you're not getting it from a reliable source. Don't allow people to manipulate you with their misinformation. The, the, the question becomes this. It's okay to start the conversation. It's not okay to spread information. Are you doing it to just get a reaction out of me? Because listen, manipulation can go both ways. I'm going to do this because I know it's going to get a reaction out of it. Or I'm doing this for you because I want to help you, but I want to get a reaction out of you. So from the, from the person giving the information, I'm trying to get a reaction from you. But the person who's trying to pull from you, they could be also manipulating you too. So you have to be very, very careful where, why people's motives are important and why you need to know those motives. 
Because the motivation comes from motive. Motive comes from intent. Intent comes from within. Why are you doing that? What is your intent behind this? I used to ask, I watched the movie before uh, Finding Forrester. And in that movie, there was a question that was asked. He would, he would ask questions. And uh, he said, is that a soup question? I was like, excuse me, is that a soup question? And I used to do this with my kids. They would ask me questions. I was like, is that a soup question? Is this question that you're asking me going to benefit you? Because we eat soup when we need it because we need it to make ourselves feel better. It, or, or, you know, you might be sick. Let's eat some soup. Is it going to be good for you? Soup is mm -mm good for you. So I would say, is this a soup question? Or are you just trying to get a reaction out of it? There is two types of motivation. I mentioned them last week, but I want to I want to dig just a little deeper on this topic for a second. Motivation will run out. You're not always going to feel motivated. Encouragement is extremely important. We need encouragement. Think of a baby when a baby is first starting to crawl. What does everybody do? They clap, they cheer, they're making noise. Things are happening. The baby's like, oh, something's happening here. And they start to get up on the table. You know, they kind of hold themselves up and they shaking. And what are people doing? Go ahead, baby. Look at mama's baby. Go ahead, baby. And everyone's encouraging this kid. And what does the kid do? They take that first little step and they shake it. They got a little shake going, right? They still holding on to the table, but they moving. They're trying to get that, that leg moving, right? And they shaking it. Everybody's screaming. They looking back at everybody. Diaper hanging. You know what I'm talking about. But what are they getting in that moment? Encouragement. Then you become proficient in walking and crawling. Then they start running around and terrorizing stuff. And then what do we do? Get off of that. Sit down. Stop touching that. Get off of that. Don't do that. What did I tell you about that? Put that down. I'm... Where'd the encouragement go? Then they become a teenager and they have ideas and dreams. And they want to do stuff. And then you start shooting down their ideas and their dreams. Then you become an adult. And what happens? That's stupid. Why do you want to do that? Encouragement is important. The people you choose to be around you are important because they're going to either encourage or discourage what it is that you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. So you have extrinsic motivation and you have intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic is, by definition, external. It's from the outside source. Intrinsic is from an inside source. Let me pull up the definitions right real quick to help you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, I did it last week. So what, so what, what I'm actually going to do, is I'm going to do something a little bit different. So extrinsic. Extrinsic will maintain you. Extrinsic will maintain you. It will enable you to continue to go as long as your coach is, in, is, is, is telling you to do it. Extrinsic will maintain you as long as Tyreek continues to go on Tyreek Talk Tuesday. It will maintain you as long as your gym coach or your diet coach or the person that you're working with says, you could do this. But the moment that that person stops doing it, because that only excites you for the moment. But the moment that Tyreek stops going live or your coach stops doing a thing or your person that you're looking for that motivation to come from begins to stop doing that, 
You lose motivation until you hear that again. I can make it to the next Tuesday because, man, Tyreek helped me out with that one today. And I still like to cut hair, so, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. School is cool as long as there's encouraging and motivation for me. As long as somebody's motivating me from the outside, I enjoy going to school. But the moment I don't have that same teacher, I don't have that one person in my ear, or I don't get a chance to sit down with Tyreek, it's not as exciting anymore. And I'm just using us as an example. Extrinsic motivation will only maintain you because it will only enable you to continue as long as it's there. But intrinsic will sustain you. Sustainability is important. Intrinsic comes from within. Intrinsic will sustain you even when Tyreek takes a week off. Even when your favorite instructor doesn't show up because they got something they got to do. It even continue when your coach says, hey, I can't make it to the gym. I got something I got to do, but I need you to do X amount of reps. And you know you got to do those reps, but they're not cheering you on saying, one more, one more. You got this. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Intrinsic will sustain you even when that person isn't around. I'm there because of something inside of me, something that's driving me, not because you're encouraging me to do it. Now, encouragement is important. It's extremely important. But if you only are focused on external motivation, you will give up at some point when that motivation doesn't exist anymore. When that person who helps motivate you doesn't exist anymore. So let me give you the definitions. Sustain. Cause to continue or to be prolonged for an extended period without interruption. You can't get in my way. I got to focus. You can't distract me from what I'm trying to do because it's my motivation is coming from within. It will sustain you. It will carry you on even when that person, that influencer, that person's not there speaking to you. It will continue to carry you on. Maintain. The definition for maintain. Cause or enable to condition a state of affairs to continue. You need that condition in order to continue because it doesn't come from within. It's external. And as long as that thing doesn't continue to be in your life or in front of your face, you will give up. You will stop. You will slow down. So what we need is an intrinsic motivation because intrinsic will sustain you. External works. Your parole officer saying, if you don't go to school, I'm going to throw you in jail. That's a nice little motivational piece. Unless you want three hots and uh, three, uh, three hots and a cop. Unless you're okay with well, I forget these responsibilities. I just throw me in jail. Then that's really not motivating. Because you really don't want it. Your intent is, I don't want to do this. I just... To try and keep them off my back, make sure my urine's clean. Your girlfriend who's worked at your car is in her name. Saying, you got to do something. Like, I, I'm paying all these bills. I'm doing what I can, but you got to start pulling some weight. It was okay in the beginning, but right now you got to step up. I don't feel like doing all that. I like being at home. 
I like taking your car when you're at work and picking you up afterwards so I can run these streets. Extrinsic will only maintain you because there's conditions attached to it, as long as. Intrinsic will sustain you because no matter what, you'll do it because it's in you to do it. You won't give up. I want to, I want to play this video about encouragement because we've all been in a place where we're not feeling encouraged and we need it. We, we, we need encouragement. The baby trying to walk and crawl and run and do things. When they go out for track as a teenager, you're in the stands. Go, baby, you can do it. You're not at the gym with them every day. You're not there holding the weights. You're not there. They have a coach that's helping to guide them. You're not there doing it. You might buy the little outfits for them and you might buy their sneakers that they need to play field hockey or soccer or whatever it is. But you're not there on the field running up and down with them. You're not. You're on the sidelines cheering and encouraging. Encouragement is important. It's extremely important. But you have to be able to be motivated with intent to succeed and excel without external motivation. You need an intrinsic motivation. It has to come within even if nobody's in the stands cheering you on. And even when there are so many other things going on in your life, you need that little bit of encouragement that helps. You're doing it because you actually love it. You're doing it because it's part of what you as most times the intrinsic force is selflessness. Most of the times intrinsic is selflessness. You, you, you have to be selfish with yourself, but you're doing it because you I get DMs and people are saying, thank you so much, man, I really needed that. I'm sure there's a little motivation there for them. However, I know later on, man, I opened up a barbershop and it was because I was watching your lives. It was because you really helped to motivate me, but you also encouraged me to believe in myself, to find that thing on the inside. So I do this because I love it. You think some days I don't want to get up and do it? Absolutely. I got to drive, make sure I'm here early enough and set the lights up and sit. I got to do all that. And if I'm out of town or if I'm stuck in traffic, I, I still I got to prepare the lesson to, to, that I'm talking about. I do it because I love it, because I know it's benefiting people. But this is I'm going to do this with the cameras on or off. Because before Instagram and social media, I was doing it in a classroom with a positive quote for the day. And we have open dialogue. This has just turned into something as it has evolved. But I want to share this encouragement video with you because I think it's extremely powerful. I want you to pay attention and watch what's happening. We all have things and we put ourselves in a position. This is a video. Let me give you some context. This is a video about a dad who's talking about his child and the behaviors of his child and how he as a parent is really trying to control and manipulate them by having them do the right things. And he's trying to control them. And he's having a difficult time doing it. But what he says, the most important thing that has helped him as a parent is the encouragement. It's not the control. It's not the manipulation. It's the encouragement. So let me play this video for you. And I really want you to pay attention and watch at what's happening here.
It's a matter of love and encouragement. And the water represented all those things that he was pouring into that glass to remove all the junk. Because you can't go in and take it out. It's really difficult to do that. What an amazing, amazing video. I will put that video in my stories so you can see it without all the, the words going through on the live. But I didn't want to throw it up prematurely. I wanted to put it up after the live. So very, very powerful video of how encouragement through love and acknowledgement and encouragement and encouragement and encouragement will wash out all the other stuff that you're trying to get rid of and control. Yelling at them and saying you're stupid, yelling at them saying you're not good enough. We're talking about children, but this also works in your business. As an instructor, telling the student that they don't know what they're doing, that doesn't help. It's about encouraging them and getting them through. As a shop owner, you're hiring people and telling them, man, you're too slow. That don't help. Are you encouraging them to get fast? Are you encouraging them to get clients? Are you putting clients their way? Are you helping to encourage that person? Because serve your needs by serving the needs of others first is important. As a shop owner, if I serve your needs by encouraging you and sending you clients and positioning you to be the greatest that you can be, you may want to work for me a lot longer. You may quit. But chances are you're going to want to stay because there's a relationship that has happened there and you're being encouraged and growth is happening and learning is happening and clientele is happening and all this stuff is going on. So why would you want to leave? I'm not trying to you smoke weed. I'm not trying to tell you to stop smoking. We just don't come to the shop high. you got toxic behavior. I'm not trying to take that out of you. I'm just going to continue to encourage you and tell you you're doing a great job. Keep it up. I, I saw how you talked to that client. I heard you yesterday. You said something while that little kid was in the chair. Not as good, but you're getting better. Encouragement rather than, yo, man, you keep cursing all the time. I told you about that, bro. What you going to do? That doesn't help. I had a shop owner hit me up and he said, Tyreek, I have a shop, I got five guys working for me. I have a hard time in meetings. And I said, tell me more. He said, I'm constantly, you know, telling them, you know, that they're messing up and they gotta do this. I'm telling them they gotta post and I'm like, okay. And immediately I asked the question. I said, did you come from a broken home or you had both parents? He said, no, I have both parents and mom. I said, okay, what was that relationship like with your dad? And he said, man, my dad always yelled at me all the time. And I looked at him, I said, oh, are you always yelling at the people that work for you? And immediately, he put his head down. He said, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing that my dad did to me. It may have worked for me, but I didn't like how it made me feel. And I said, do you think you need to have a different approach? And he said, yes. If you're a business owner and you're having business meetings, stop talking about the things that don't work. Talk about the things that are working. You're doing a great job with this. I love that Google review we got from you. By the way, you got the most downloads this month of our app. Those are the things that are going to continue to encourage them to keep doing the things that you need for them to do for your business. And if you're doing that, it's going to help your business grow and it's going to help you to grow. Serve your needs by serving the needs of others first. But in order to do that, you can't serve somebody's needs if you don't know their intent. 
If you don't know what their motives are and if you can't speak with encouragement to what motivates them. I hope that I've served your needs today. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining another Tyreek Talk Tuesday. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. Have an amazing, amazing week. And I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you.